like a lot of people at Northside, I was raised in a Catholic family and we, you know, my mom and dad did the very best they could with, with the knowledge they had. I think I had a relationship with Christ, but uh, it was more out of convenience. Before I knew Jesus, um, I felt constantly threatened by the church. I was born uh, and raised in the Chicago area into a humanistic um, Jewish home. And so what that really means is that we concentrated on the holidays and the traditions, but there was no God involved. Later in my teen years, my dad and my brother both battled cancer. Through that process, I decided, you know, in my own head that there had to be a God. But who that was or what that meant, I had to make up in my own mind because I wasn't going someplace to be fed what that looked like. The stress of starting a new company, all that was getting the best of me. And then with the turmoil at home between different religions or different beliefs was getting the best of me. And God really used those two things to bring me to my knees, literally. And then when I went to a Billy Graham crusade, I was sitting on the very, very, very top row at Papa John's because I was kind of late and hesitant to even go in. But when they asked for the altar call, I mean, my legs just got up before my mind even. I mean, I just, I was just drawn up to the stage. You prayed and prayed and prayed. I mean, for 20 years, he was on his knees every night at, at our bedside. And, and I said, so what, what, do you, what do you do when you're down there? And he said, well, I'm praying for you to come to know Christ. And I said, oh, buddy, you might as well get up off your knees because that is never gonna happen. But at some point, you know, through his fervent prayers, he heard the Lord say to him, I'll take it from here. He loved me like he never had loved me before and showed it he was Jesus with skin on. I decided to go to Northside to give back to him. When I came to Northside um, and was embraced and welcomed into a church family, it totally completed what I was missing. It was from probably May to December, and then I gave my life to Christ December 2003. Jesus took me out of pit, and I was the least of these, and He brought me into His family. I, I mean, how can you not be grateful for that? Through inviting people with this Setting the Table campaign, you, you're not supposed to give to get a blessing in return, but you cannot outgive God. It's just a, a coming alongside the heart of the church. I want to pay forward what has been done for me because I know how much it has changed my life and I want to be um, obedient, but more than obedience, it's the heart of, of Jesus, just being inclusive and wanting everyone he wants at the table to, for there to be room for them. When you look at the history of Northside and see how it started as a, you know, in the basement and in a small house, and then it grew and it grew and it grew, um, God's got big plans for New Albany, Floyd County, and all I see is more growth. The church is four walls, but Nate always talks about it's more than a church, it's more than a building, and some of this money right now is for the building campaign, but it's still to bring people into church and to reach our community. and. Uh, with, with the pandemic and virtual 
churches, I think, you know, a big push is going to be to reach people like that. So whatever God has in, in store, we just want to try to be good stewards of that. Can we thank God right now for his work in Allison and Dwayne's life? I love that story. What was so neat is over eight years ago when we started our Ironman men's ministry, Dwayne was actually my table leader. And so I got to be raised up underneath him and have him invest in my life. And I didn't know that story that over 20 years ago when he was at Papa John Stadium during the Billy Graham crusade, I went, you know what? If you're in the very last row of Papa John Stadium and you go all the way to the other end of the stadium in front of everybody, you know the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, right? Because we're going, we don't talk, you know, some of you in the back row, you're like, you don't even get down during the service, go rest him. You don't want anybody to look at you, right? You know, and here we're going, this man walked all the way across the stadium and we go, because that is just the work of God. And then to hear that he prayed for his wife for 20 years to know God. And you go, what a husband, what a way. I was in awe of that, to see that, to be called as a man of God, to live that way. And then I love Allison's words that I was just in a pit and Jesus rescued me from the pit. And this is what I love about Allison. God not only rescued her from the pit, but for the last several years, she has been leading community Bible study. It's a community Bible study for women that we host here on the campus. And she has been investing into women's life. And this lady from Chicago who hated the church, who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And this is what I love about the story of Jesus, that even when we're not looking for him, here's the good news about Jesus. He's looking for you. I mean, he's looking to redeem us and he's sending us out. And this is the joy that we have of setting the table together as his church, that he is calling all of us, no matter where you are on your faith journey, God is calling you to his table to change your life. And I loved watching uh, the baptism today. I know Isaac and his heart for Jesus and to reach out to his coworkers and to invite Bailey. Last night, I, I got to baptize my friend Parker, who we've been on a journey for the last year together of just walking through the scriptures and his questions about Jesus and the church. And afterwards, after baptism, which was great, we went to Birno's. And, uh, you know, then you really taste God at work there, right? You know, and, but I tell you, you know, it was the sweetest thing. We just sat in this side party room with all of his friends and family. And his dad got up and talked about God's work in his life and how far God has brought him. And I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than what we could give our life to than the ministry and the work of Jesus. And he is calling all of us, not just to his table, but to be people who go and set the table for one another, to go and reach those who are not yet at his table, who are not yet in relationship with him. Matter of fact, that's why we're working our way through Luke chapter 23, because that's what we find Jesus doing as he's carrying his cross. Because at the cross, God set the table for the entire world. That's why we're calling this series Humble and Hungry. That even in the face of his death, even in the pain of what Jesus was going through, he was constantly setting the table for others. Last week, we looked at how Jesus set the table for bystanders and those who had lost all hope. So if today you've lost all hope, Jesus has set a table of grace and redemption for you. If you feel lost and without direction, Jesus invites you in. Today, what we're going to find is this. Not only does he set a table for those who have lost hope, today we find that Jesus sets a table for his enemies. Some of you are like, that's the last person I want to set a table for, right? Like, you can go sit at the kids' table. You ain't sitting at my table, right? But what we find Jesus doing today in Luke chapter 23 is this. He does exactly that. 
And here's why, because at the foundation of our faith, if you could say, Nate, summarize our faith in one word. If I could summarize our entire faith in Jesus, it would be this one word, forgiveness. God's heart is to forgive us. That's what he did through the cross so that one, we can be set free from our sins, but so that when you and I experience the sin of others, we could set them free. Did you know the reason why we struggle so much with forgiveness is because God never made you and I to carry sin? When God created the world, when he created Adam and Eve, he created the world perfect. It had no sin. This is why for so much of us today, it is a struggle to forgive because you were never made to carry not only your sin, you were never made to carry the sin that has been done to you. This is why we need God at work in our life because we experience things that God never intended for us to experience. I love how theologian C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Anybody ever come up to you, you know, you're kind of pouring your heart out to them. Man, they did this, this, and this. This happened to me a number of years ago. One of my buddies, I was just pouring my heart out what somebody did to me. And he just looked at me and he goes, dude, you got to let it go. Be like, I'm going to let something go, right? You know, here in a second, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, that's what you need to do. You just, you just need to forgive and forget. And we're going, yeah, yeah, sounds good. But why does it feel so impossible? This is the tension I think we all carry as Christ followers. We love the story of God's redemption. We love the story of the bandits. We love the story of God saving coworkers. We love all this stuff, but why is it that you and I struggle so much to forgive not only others, but can we be honest, why is it such a struggle to forgive ourselves? Some of us, we say stuff like this, right? I know God has forgiven me. It's just that I can't what? Forgive myself. I, for some reason, I, I can't let this go. I began to look at this passage and I began to look at my own inability sometimes to forgive people. And what I realized is this, if I can be honest with you, I find it easier sometimes to forgive strangers than my own household. Well, yesterday morning, we were driving to Washington, Indiana to go see the Silver Creek Dragons play. And that's right. Then we all, yeah, yeah. Next week, going to be a semi-state and we were driving because that's the only reason why you go to Washington, Indiana. Uh, there's no other, unless you want to go to a Huck's gas station. They got one of those, right? But I'm like, there's no other reason why you're going there. And I'm driving on 60 through Lagodi and, you know, you're going through those two-lane roads and we're a little bit late. And we got the kids with us. And, of course, we stopped at H&R Donut in Salem. Praise the Lord, right? You know, and, of course, we're going to stop there. We're going to go through there. And then somebody cuts me off on Highway 60. And they, you know, cut right, cut me off. And I got to slow down, hit the brakes, you know. And I'm like, man, you know, and I'm furious for a second. And then I'm like, you know what? I bet they're late. You know, I bet they're late. They just got to get somewhere. That's not their fault. And I just let them go. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we can give for strangers, you know, just forgive them so quick. A couple months ago, I went to get ready in my bathroom. And I walked in and I noticed that my towel was gone. And there wasn't a new towel. And I was like, well, you know, we've all fallen short of the glory in God, you know, and Ruthie just forgot to put a towel back when she took it out, right? No big deal. Went and grabbed a towel, brought it back in. Next day, towel was gone again. No new towel. <laughs> we've all really fallen short of the glory of God, right? You know, and day two, go get a new towel. This happened five days in a row. 
And here's what I began to believe. I'm like, my goodness, Ruthie, I love that you're doing all the laundry, but if you could put a new towel back in there, this would be, this would be great. This would be ideal. Finally, after day five, I just went to her. I'm like, man, I know, like you are on the move. One, I don't even know who washes towels more than once a week, but you're doing it five days in a row. Unbelievable. And then I told her, I was like, hey, when you take my towel, can you put a new towel in there though? This is what I learned. Uh, we've been married for 14 years this year. Never accuse your wife of something without asking her questions first. <laughs> Gentlemen, that might be your sermon for today, right? You know, like, you're like, that's all it is. That's all you need to take away. When I told her that, I said, hey, when you take my towel, put another towel in there. She just looked at me. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, for the last five days, you've taken my towel and you've not put another one in there. She goes, I haven't touched anything. The kids have come in and taken your towel every day. Just kind of backed up, man. Here's the deal with it. I started making up the scenario for a whole week in my mind. And here was the scenario that I was making up in my mind. You knew what you're doing. And then it goes to this step. Not only do you know what you're doing, you're doing it on what? You're doing this on purpose. I know what you're doing. You're doing it. She's like, you don't know at all what I'm doing. See, I think a lot of times, here's why we struggle with forgiveness. We start telling ourselves a different story than reality. Oh, this is why you hurt me. And somebody may have hurt you, but you don't even know that that was why they hurt you. They may have not even known that they did hurt you. And see, here's what happens. This is why we need Luke 23. This is why we need the story of Jesus is because too many times we can get caught up with the story in our mind. I know God has forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. Why? What story are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself that God can forgive everybody but you? Or for some reason that you are not worthy of God's forgiveness. No, that is our faith, that we are not worthy and our heavenly father loves us and forgives us in spite of us not being worthy. See, it's his forgiveness that makes us worthy. It's his love that redeems us. It's his love that changes us. It's his grace that works from the inside out. He sees every shortcoming of our life and says, I love you and I want to change you and I want to send you and to give you grace and hope in this world. So with that in mind, I want to look at Luke chapter 23 to allow Jesus to set the table for us today. This is what it says in Luke chapter 23. He's carried his cross. And in verse 32, it says two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. Here, the innocent son of God is lumped in with criminals. And he's led out. And it said when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Man, let us just have those words wash over us one more time today. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at Jesus. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Then the soldiers chimed in and they came up and they mocked Jesus, offering him some wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Because there's a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. 
Hopefully you're seeing kind of the scenario of what Jesus is facing in this moment. For some of us today, man, you have a weight, you have sin that has been done to you, or you carry a sin that you have done. You go, man, this feels heavy. And I just want you to see the weight of the sin that is being heaped upon Jesus in this moment. Matter of fact, this is what we're gonna do today. We're gonna look at how Jesus sets the table for the people who were standing by watching and how he sets the table for the rulers and the soldiers. And then next week, our good friend Ephraim Smith is gonna be here and he's gonna preach on how Jesus sets the table for the two criminals. Wanna invite you to be a part of this, but this is what's so fascinating about this. Oftentimes, the reason why we struggle to forgive is because we are the ones trying to forgive. And here's the mistake that we make. We think forgiveness is like starting a diet. When do we start a diet? Monday, tomorrow, right? Every diet starts about, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wake up, I'm just gonna choose to forgive them tomorrow. Then we don't, so what do we do? Next Monday. And we begin to think forgiveness works that way. If you're taking notes, this is what Jesus says here. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In this moment, here's what we've got to understand. You may want to write this down. Jesus didn't come only to forgive our sins. Jesus came to give us the gift of forgiveness. See, when you and I forgive somebody, what we're doing is we are giving them a gift. We're setting them free. Matter of fact, when you forgive yourself, you actually don't forgive yourself. You know what you do? You use the gift of Jesus to set yourself free. He doesn't just erase our sin like it never happened. No, 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 no. That was the sin that was on the cross. See, the cross took and exhausted all of our sin and the sin that was done to us because you and I were never made to carry sin. God did not create it. This is why we can't forgive. This is why we can't forgive ourselves. This is why we can't forgive our neighbors. This is why sometimes you can carry forgiveness, for unforgiveness for 25 years. You ever been there? 10 years, 15, 20, 25, and here's what's happening. Because you were never made to carry it. This is why Jesus comes and he goes to the cross and he carries our sins. And in this moment, he says this, Father, forgive them. And he gives us the gift of forgiveness. See, forgiveness is a gift from God. It sets us free from our sin and the forgiveness of Jesus allows us to forgive others. But here's what I missed in this passage. Oftentimes, this is why I struggle with forgiveness. I would try to forgive and I wouldn't have what it takes. And this is what I missed in this passage is this. Forgiveness is actually spiritual warfare. Do you know that? This is why you and I struggle and we go, man, I just can't let it go. I know because the only way for you and I to let somebody go, to cancel the debt that somebody owes us, it's actually spiritual warfare. This is why when somebody hurts us, when somebody says something about us, it hurts so deep because it's personal. If you look at the language of what the rulers said and what the soldiers said about Jesus, listen what they say. They, they said this, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God. The soldiers said this, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you are this, if you really are the son of God, if you really are all powerful, why don't you save your, you saved everybody else, save yourself. You know who else used that phrase, if you are in the Bible with Jesus? Satan in the desert. That's what Satan tempted Jesus with. If you are the son of God, I'm gonna challenge your identity. If you are the son of God, prove it by turning these stones into bread. See, this is why forgiveness hurts so bad, because everybody attacks your identity and your character, and it becomes personal, doesn't it? 
This is why oftentimes we can't forgive ourselves because we live day in and day out with the mistakes we made. Matter of fact, I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with that today, with the mistakes you've made, I want to encourage you to go read Psalm 32 this week. King David, one of the greatest men of the Bible, struggled with his sin. And this is what he says in Psalm 32. This is why we read the Psalms. Because it is real life people who are dealing with the problems of their heart and they're wrestling with their faith. And he says this, God, when I kept my sin from you, my bones wasted away. See, when we keep sin in and we don't confess it to God, or when we have these wounds that people have done to us and we don't begin to allow the forgiveness of God to set us free, here's what begins to happen. It wastes us away on the inside. He even goes on to say this, God, my strength is sapped. I, I, I can't go on. And then he says this, but when I confessed my sin to you, when I begin to open my life to you, everything changed. See, this is why Jesus says this words, you know, these guys are hurling insults. And in this moment, you know what Jesus could have said? Don't you know who I am? I mean, don't you know I'm the son of God? Don't you know I'm the one who created the solar system? If it wasn't for me, earth would either burn up or freeze up. But the way I made it, I made it perfect. And don't you know who you're crucifying? He doesn't say that, does he? What does he say? Father, what? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, this is why we got to come to the table with Jesus. Jesus says stuff that we would never say. Jesus works in a way that we would never work. This is why on this Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says this line. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Check. I can do that. I, actually, I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm getting an A plus there, man. I, I can do that real well. But I tell you, we got to listen to the words of Jesus, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons and daughters of your father in heaven. Man, I got a new way for you to live. I got a new gift for you. And then he says this, because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is trying to draw the righteous and the unrighteous to himself. God is saying, no, I want everybody at my table because only when you're in right relationship with me do you live the way that I've created you to live. And some of us going, Nate, I, I, I want to do that. See, what, what, what's happening, though, is Jesus understands forgiveness is spiritual warfare. This is why he says, pray for those who persecute you. But then Jesus doesn't just talk about it. Jesus lives it out when he says, Father, forgive them. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He reminds us what our battle is. He says it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As Christians, our battle is not with each other. Our battle is with the dark world, the ways of Satan that want to destroy us, the ways of Satan and the lies of Satan that want to fill our minds. And what Paul is saying in this moment and what Jesus was saying in this moment too is, hey, you've heard it say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, this is how we grow through forgiveness. This is the way of Jesus, that we pray our way through our pain. Too many times we think Jesus is just going, I just need you to go and, you know, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, 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 no. You know what Jesus did when he was persecuted? He prayed. 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. May God work in my life. You know what my prayer oftentimes is this when somebody hurts me? Father, convict them that they would go on Facebook and tell the world every single thing they've done wrong to me. In your name we pray. Amen. May you get all glory from that Facebook post, God. May they be brought low before all to see. Right? You know, that's our prayer. God, would you embarrass them? God, would they come crying? I am so sorry. That's our prayer. And Jesus says this. Guess what? Most of the time, 98% of the time, I don't know if you found this way, most of the time people don't come crying, do they, to you? Now you and I are stuck. We're hurt and we're wrecked. And we're going, God, I got nothing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, it's at Jesus' table. We find forgiveness for ourselves. We find forgiveness for those who have hurt us. And we get to be filled with his forgiveness to go and give the world. That's what you heard Dwayne talking about when he was praying for his wife for 20 years. God, you love her. Lord, would you draw her to yourself? See, here's the thing. When he says, Father, forgive him, what Jesus knows is this. All forgiveness flows from our Heavenly Father. All forgiveness flows here. I want to be very uh, uh, quick about this too, but I want to be very clear. If you're wrestling today and, man, you got hurt, I, I want to be very sensitive to this. If you're watching online and you're wrestling through this, you're going, Nate, you have no idea, especially as many people in this room who are watching online, I guarantee you this. If we all sat down with a cup of coffee with each other, we would be blown away by the stories of hurt in this room. And so I want to be very clear. I am not asking you to forgive and forget. Matter of fact, one of the books that have helped me the most as I was preparing for the sermon uh, is by Lisa Turkhurst. She uh, runs Proverbs 31 Ministry and a great global leader. She's a New York Times bestselling author, great Christian lady, runs a great Christian ministry, all this other stuff. Until a couple years ago, she found out that her husband was cheating on her. And not only was he cheating on her, he was addicted to pornography, had all this stuff going on she never knew, just shredded their marriage. And what she did in this book is basically wrote a memoir about how God led her through the forgiveness process. And her and her team did over a thousand hours of research on forgiveness in the Bible. And I love the title of her book. It's this, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And one of the lines in the book she says is this, I found it fascinating about how she's processed her pain because oftentimes anniversaries come around and we're reminded and we're triggered and things come up and all these things and we go, God, what do we do with this? And this is what she said. She said, forgiveness severs the source of your suffering. That when you and I choose to forgive somebody, not because they've posted anything on Facebook, not because they've come crying back, not because they've paid you back, but this is what happens when you and I forgive somebody as Christ has forgiven us. She says, this is what happens. It cuts off the source of suffering. Doesn't mean you don't go through hurt. Doesn't mean anniversaries and triggers don't happen. What happens is this. When you decide to forgive somebody, it cuts off the source she goes into greater detail and she says this, when she was in one of her counseling sessions, her counselor laid out a bunch of three by five cards for her. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out every single thing your husband did to you to hurt, that, that hurt you. Every lie, 
every phony thing, every emotion. And she began to fill out three by five cards, she said. And at the end of it, when they stopped, she realized the entire office floor was covered with three by five cards. And for the first time, she recognized and could see the pain and the hurt in her life. And in just a quiet moment, her counselor looked at her and said this. Lisa, whatever your feelings will not allow for, the blood of Jesus will cover. Whatever your feelings will not allow for today, the blood of Jesus will cover. God, there's no way I feel like I can forgive them. I know. Here's what's fascinating. When you study forgiveness in the Bible, it's never connected with feelings. Because let's be honest, we never feel like forgiving somebody who's wronged us. Matter of fact, we never feel like really forgiving ourselves. And wherever you don't feel like you have the feelings, the blood of Jesus covers our sin. See, this is why forgiveness is spiritual warfare, because we really don't just forgive and forget. One of the lies, though, that we see in this passage and that Satan loves to keep us trapped in unforgiveness and keeps it, and I, and I fall into this trap a lot, is this. We don't realize it, but mentally this is what happens. We begin to think that we're better than the other person who hurt us. We just begin to go, you know what, I would never do that. I would never go into somebody's bathroom and take a towel and not put a towel back in that bathroom. I would never do that. That's what we do, isn't it? We begin to go, man, they hurt me, but I would never do that. See, this is what the rulers and the soldiers were doing. If you are, if you are the son of God, we're so much better than you. We're, I mean, you're just scum. Matter of fact, one of the biggest things of the hurdles that I've gone through in forgiveness is this. 11 years ago, somebody that I really, really looked up to uh, had made some comments about me and my character, and it got back to me, kind of like third channel. He didn't know it. And it got back to me, and it devastated me. And matter of fact, for four years, this is what I rehearsed over and over again in my mind, that I was better than him. I would never do that. And what happened was this, I began to live with a bitterness and anger that just controlled my heart and my life. Matter of fact, I had to go to counseling to begin to really root out and get to the root issue of what was going on in my heart and my life. And for four years, I didn't know it, but this is what Satan, this was the lie that I was believing in is this, I was just better than this guy, just better than him. See, when all we do is live in a place believing that we're better than anybody else, one, we're not living in the grace of God, and two, we never actually end up forgiving anybody. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. Who is forgiveness for? It's for us. It's for us. It's to set people free. This is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, not only is he saying not just to love your enemies, but to pray for those who persecute you, in the Lord's Prayer, he says this in verse 12. He ties these together. He says, forgive us our debts. God, we know we're sinful people. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
Jesus goes, this whole life with him isn't just about him forgiving us and then, well, (laughs) maybe I'll forgive people. Maybe I won't. No, no, no. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, keep us from feeling like we're just better than everybody else. Don't lead me there. Keep me from there. And then he goes on to say this, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. What he's saying is this, when you begin to live in the grace of God, the grace of God and the forgiveness of God isn't just for you. The grace of God is for you to give as a gift to set other people free so your heart can be free. Not so that we minimize the hurt that's been done to us. No, we actually need to go, no, this is exactly how I've been hurt. And then what can happen is this, we can see exactly why Jesus went to the cross to set us free. But in this passage, what we see first is this. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What he's saying is this. Not just just we pray our way through the pain. What he's saying is this. We need to be people who confess before we forgive. We need to be people who are reminded, no, God, I am in need of your grace. I am in need of your forgiveness. And because you've saved me, because you've given me your forgiveness in Jesus, I now have a forgiveness to give everybody else. I've got a strength, I've got a grace to give somebody that I don't have. We hear this phrase all the time, hurt people, what? Hurt people. What Jesus says in this passage is this, forgiven people, what? Forgive people. See, this is where our faith gets real. We go, God, I am hurt. And Jesus says, I know. This is why he went to the cross and this is why he prayed, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. When people a lot of times hurt us, they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea the words that they say. I love how Andy Stanley says it this way, one of my favorite pastors in Atlanta, he says this. He said, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. I ain't forgiven you. You're going to have to suffer a bit, right? I'm not letting you off the hook. And he says, in the shadow of our hurt, forgiveness, it feels like a decision to reward them. They've hurt me. I'm not giving them forgiveness. But he said, but in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. God, I don't deserve your forgiveness, but you've given it to me. And God, they don't deserve my forgiveness but I'm gonna give them what you gave me. And it sets our hearts free. What I found fascinating though in this passage is this, in verse 35, it just, just a quick little line, it says this, and the people stood there watching. People were standing there watching this whole thing unfold. They were watching the rulers and the soldiers mock Jesus. If you are the son of God, Save yourself. And then they heard Jesus say this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the people were observing this mocking and this forgiveness. And in that day and in the days to come, Here's what happens, and this is for us today, as we walk as people of forgiveness, as we walk as forgiven people is this, you and I, and those people that day, we have to make a decision. See, forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. 
It's a decision to say, God, am I going to believe that you've actually forgiven me by what Jesus has done so then I can forgive others? Because on that day, Jesus made a decision to say this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Today, for a lot of us in this room, a lot of us watching online, we have a decision to make. Matter of fact, forgiveness is an ongoing decision to go, nope, God, they don't owe me. Nope, God, I'm not going to go into this. Matter of fact, if you guys have your card, hopefully you got one of these when you came in today. And uh, I want to invite you to just pull it out real quick. We're going to walk through this. If you didn't, I'll explain it real quick online. You can have one of these as well. We're not going to fill it out right now, but this is what we just wanted to create with this card is this. We know forgiveness doesn't happen in 30 minutes, does it? Some of you are like, no, Nate, you're preaching for 35 right now. I'm watching, right? No, no, no. Here's the deal. We know forgiveness just isn't like this. What we want to do is this. We just wanted to give you this as a tool to begin to make a decision to live in the forgiveness in the ways of Jesus. That this would be a reminder, maybe you need to put this somewhere and there's two-sided because with forgiveness, there's two sides to it. For some of you today, you actually need to come to a place of making a decision that you will accept the forgiveness of Jesus to set you free from your sins so that you can actually begin to forgive others. On one of these sides, this is what it says. It says, forgiveness looks like. If you're at home watching online, you can write that down. Forgiveness looks like. And this is what we mean by this. We want you to begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, God, where are you calling me to go give forgiveness today? What does forgiveness look like for you in your life today? You know what forgiveness looked like for me a couple months ago? Hey, Ruthie, uh, I messed up. I thought you, let me just be honest. I thought you were being kind of lazy and you'd wash a towel, but you wouldn't put a towel back. And I'm sorry because that's not right, that's not true, and that's not who you are. Do you know what happens in a marriage when we begin to apologize to one another? And gentlemen, if you're married here today, or just men in general in this room, watching online, I wanna ask you to lead the way this week and forgiveness. Be the first to forgive this week. Set the tone in your home. No, 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 we're gonna own our stuff. That was prideful, that was arrogant. Somebody texted me between service, they said, you ever heard of getting your own towel? Back up off me. Now this is why we need the church. We need accountability. Men, let's lead the way. Because the greatest man who ever lived and who lives now leads the way for us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Flip side. 
Who do I need to forgive? Andy Stanley has a great little thing that's helped me with forgiveness. Just a quick little thing, he says this. When it comes to somebody who's hurt you, he said, go ahead and write their name. And then he says this, I found this fascinating. He says, and write out exactly what they took from you. Did you forgive and forget? Mm -mm. Mm -mm, We don't forget. He says, write it out. What'd they take from you? They take your character. Take your innocence. What'd they take from you? And then in light of the cross, he says this, now that you see the debt that they owe you because of Jesus, cancel the debt. Not because we can, but because that's what the cross does. The cross takes away our sin and the cross cuts off the sin that's been done to us. Not that we forget it, but we know what Christ has done. And then he says, every time it comes back to mind, dismiss the case. Dismiss it. I'm not gonna try you again. I'm not gonna tell you where you're wrong again, but because of the love of our Father, I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna forgive you. That's the challenge this week, just to begin for us to walk in this. This is the table. It's a table of forgiveness. It's a table that's canceled our debt. It's a relationship with God that leads us into a heart that frees others. Because here's the beautiful thing about this card. We never face this card without the cross. Here in a moment, we're gonna take the bread and the juice and we're gonna remember the cross. We're gonna declare, no, Jesus, you are the one who has set me free. You are the one who sets the prisoners free in my life, not because they've done enough worthy to earn forgiveness, but because Jesus, you have forgiven me. You know what's amazing about the word communion? It comes from the word Eucharist. And literally the Greek word Eucharist just means this. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know this until a couple years ago. Literally the word Eucharist means this. The good gift. See, every time we take the bread and the juice, what we're declaring is this. Oh, no, God, you are the good gift that sets my life free. Oh, God, you're the one who's come, not when I was looking for you, but when you came looking for me, everything changed. And God, you're the good gift that I give to others, not when they come looking to apologize, but I can forgive them because of your forgiveness for me today. If your heart is overwhelmed and the hurt has left you paralyzed, come to the good gift and let him set your heart free. Right now, we're gonna put a scripture up on the screen. We invite you just to talk to your heavenly father. Maybe you need to reflect on the card. Maybe you just need to thank him right now for the good gift. Maybe you need to begin to forgive somebody to say, Father, forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. But right now, let's take a moment and talk to our Heavenly Father. Then I'll come back and I'll pray as out. Let's talk to our God right now.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for Jesus. That Jesus, in the midst of your excruciating pain, the most horrific pain known to man at that time, crucifixion, in the midst of your pain, you prayed. And Jesus, you went to the cross to exhaust all of the sin that we would incur, Father, all of the sin that we would put on one another. And Jesus, we thank you for making us new in you. We thank you for giving us not just a fresh start, but a new life by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for leading the way and for giving us first. We thank you for going before us. Father, for the hearts and the lives in this room and watching online right now, God, who I know, God, we all carry a weight of hurt. Father, of regret that we've done, of the sin that has been done to us. And Jesus, you stand here in the middle taking it all and giving us a way forward. Jesus, we pray for protection right now from the evil one. God, as we're about ready to go, Lord, would you keep our minds fixed on you? Would you fix our hearts on you? Jesus, would you help us this week, not just on Monday, but in every moment to be people of your forgiveness, to be people of your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. May you walk in his forgiveness today, everybody. God bless you.